Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Good evening, good afternoon, or good night, however and whenever it is you may be listening. Thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast. Happy Wednesday, everybody, or Thursday, or Friday, or Saturday, or however and whenever it is you may be stopping in. It is July 28th. We are inching ever so close to that MLB trade deadline, but we're still waiting for the big move. Adam Frazier to my San Diego Padres, as Ted Leitner likes to say, is the big move there, so... Slowly but steadily, we'll get some baseball content coming in here to the Take It Easy podcast. We've got a fun show planned for you today. I want to talk about the Miami Dolphins a bit. Also, DSD, y'all know him. He's going to be joining us with a clip talking about Aaron Rodgers from Monday's Daily Sports Dosage podcast, which I am the co-host of. So I wanted to share a bit from that conversation, considering that Aaron Rodgers' news is rampant this week and we wanted to dedicate or at least i wanted to dedicate yesterday it is just me out here Uh, a lot of our friends pop on but this week's a lot of me so uh, i wanted to pop on and talk about deshaun watson yesterday because that's the other big pressing storyline going on in the world of sports right now and i wanted to bring it back to aaron Rodgers because Every single day, it feels like there's a new development in the Aaron Rodgers saga. Hell, by the time that you guys are listening to this, there have probably been two more developments in the Aaron Rodgers case that I don't know about. But Aaron Rodgers petitioned for the Packers to go out and get Randall Cobb. And lo and behold, the Green Bay Packers appear as part of the weird negotiating compromise of Aaron Rodgers returning to Packers camp that was looking pretty good for the Packers. Like... Yes, the Packers wanted to sign him to a long-term contract extension and lock up their MVP and maybe bail on the Jordan Love case, or maybe that's what it would take for Rodgers to return to camp for the Green Bay Packers. But they get a compromise. They restructure his contract so that Rodgers, it looks like, has the ability to leave at the end of next season um, fairly easily without a ton of salary cap implications for the Green Bay Packers. So. Rodgers is going to get to control his fate. And apparently Rodgers wanted to reunite with Randall Cobb and Randall Cobb. It appears, I mean, nothing's official yet, but it appears Randall Cobb is on his way to the green Bay Packers. The Texans are happy to shed that contract, pick up some extra draft picks in their long and tumultuous rebuild that, you know, they hit rock bottom around April. So there's only one way to go up from rock bottom at this point. So They're going to dump Randall Cobb, maybe get like a fourth round pick in exchange for him. And if you're the Texans, might as well at this point shed some money, start the rebuild right, move on from Randall Cobb. And it's a small piece, but the Packers look like they're going to get Randall Cobb. And the thing that I was pointing towards when the Packers traded for Randall Cobb, and yes, you you account for what Aaron Rodgers wants. But what I found kind of interesting was, well, they kind of drafted Amari Rodgers. And now they've got a super, super deep wide receiver room. We're talking, you know, I mean, considering that also, you know, we don't think quite as highly of Marquez, Equinemius, Valdez, Scantling, Brown Jr., um, which is basically just every receiver that Aaron Rodgers has ever had. But Marquez, Valdez, Scantling has been a consistent Aaron Rodgers target. Alan Lazard has been a consistent target. Now, maybe he's a consistent target the same way Chris Conley was a consistent target for uh, 
was a consistent target for Patrick Mahomes when he threw 50 touchdowns and won MVP in 2018 and got Chris Conley a gigantic contract from the Jaguars. By the way, Chris Conley is a fun name. You can play who he play for right now. Who do you think Chris Conley plays for? I'll get that answer to you at the end of the segment. So stick with it and don't cheat. Um, but anyways, so what's interesting about the Rodgers situation with Amari Rodgers coming in, along with Alan Lazard, Equinemius St. Brown, who might not make the team, to be honest, Devin Funches is on the Green Bay Packers now. Of course, Devontae Adams, and then you add Randall Cobb to the mix. That's about seven wide receivers who, as of last season, were consistent starters in the NFL. And so I was thinking that this would be detrimental because why would you invest a third-round pick in Amari Rodgers? Or that Randall Cobb's acquisition would directly impact Amari Rodgers. And then I figured out a really cool story that Amari Rodgers' dad is a football coach and Amari Rodgers' dad was a position coach for Randall Cobb when Randall Cobb was playing quarterback at Kentucky. And then he switched from quarterback to wide receiver when he got to the NFL around 2012, I want to say. By the way, Randall Cobb is only 30 years old. I think injuries are going to make him an old 30, but Randall Cobb's probably got like three or four years left in, in the NFL before he's one of those like roster cut candidates like, uh, well, I guess 34-year-old Martellus Bennett kind of retired, but he was kind of in that camp for the Packers. Um, but anyways, so... Amari Rogers is basically apparently when the reports came out, Amari Rogers is taking to this like a, a big brother situation or a mentorship situation where he's like, yeah, I might not see the field, but I get to reunite with this guy who my dad coached and I've got this great relationship and you know, he can be like an older brother figure or like a wise mentor, like 10 years, his superior or eight years, his superior. And so that was kind of cool that things might work out in this strange small world of football that is a small world because a lot of people get into football because of nepotism but that's a conversation for another day what's interesting about the randall cobb situation and the fact that rogers showed up to camp and showed up wearing a fun office t-shirt which people are reading too much into that one as someone who likes reading into tweets and reading the tea leaves of instagram stories you're reading too much into the office t-shirt but anyways Aaron Rodgers and Randall Cobb was interesting because the way it was being presented was that Aaron Rodgers was holding out and his great success of holding out was Randall Cobb. And if he has the power to dictate the team he plays for over the next few seasons, or I'm sorry, after this season and for the next few seasons after that, that's a concession that is to his benefactor. Cause yes, the Packers might've been ready to move on from him and willing to absorb the $17 million dead cap hit. But at the same time, he was under contract for two years and the Packers could have threatened his hand exactly the same way they did this year with retirement. And Rodgers very clearly was not ready to go down that path. There, there was no way Aaron Rodgers was going to retire. We all called his bluff and said he would rather play for the Packers than retire. The, the leverage he had was making things ugly, so ugly in Green Bay that he would burn the bridge and ultimately force his way out. But Aaron Rodgers wasn't at a stage in his career where he would want to do that. He is a corporate face of a billion-dollar corporation. And Aaron Rodgers sells insurance, as does Patrick Mahomes. And we talked about this a lot with Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson sells headphones. Russell Wilson's an endorser for Alaska Airlines, which is a distinctly Seattle brand. The set, and Russell Wilson is the face of a billion-dollar corporation in the Seattle Seahawks who never says anything interesting. And so the corporate face of the Green Bay Packers was kind of somewhere in the middle. And we'll talk about this a little bit with uh, our buddy DSD coming up in a bit. But Deshaun Watson, willing to make things ugly. Russell Wilson folded the second things got potentially ugly in Seattle and went back to being corporate Russell Wilson. Aaron Rodgers, kind of somewhere in the middle. And his grand victory is potentially, I don't know how the contract situation works, but potentially the chance to dictate the team that he plays for come after next season, which he didn't have previously, technically. I mean, he could have made things ugly and again gotten his way out in a compromise with the Packers. 
but that would have just been kicking the can down the road for a whole nother year when Rodgers feels disrespected right now by the Green Bay Packers. But anyways, Rodgers victories, what it looks like from, you know, kind of going in the middle, didn't do the Deshaun, again, the Deshaun Watson make things ugly pre-criminal trial and pre-serial sexual harasser before we knew about that. Deshaun Watson willing to blow everything up in Houston in January and February. Russell Wilson folded as soon as he got the opportunity. Aaron Rodgers made things a little uncomfy. And when he gets to walk away from that is potentially the chance to dictate where he plays after next season. And Randall Cobb. Was it worth it? I don't know. He didn't hold out a single day of camp. They came to a compromise. Whether it's a win for Rodgers or a win for the Packers is, I think both sides got what they wanted. At least Aaron Rodgers did the best he could. For the Packers, they have a Super Bowl caliber roster with the MVP of the league from 2020. A league that, by the way, had epic seasons from Patrick Mahomes and a 2,000-yard rusher in Derrick Henry. For the Packers... Having him in camp without holding out a single day is a major victory. For Rodgers, did the best he could. He walks away with the chance to dictate his next team he plays for after next year. And Randall Cobb. You didn't think that I'd forget to uh, complete our game of who he play for. So... For those who maybe got the answer down already for who does Chris Conley play for? You can lock in your answers now, but I'll throw out some multiple choice here for the good people of the Take It Easy podcast. Is it A, the Tennessee Titans, B, the Detroit Lions, C, the San Francisco 49ers, or D, the Houston Texans. If you guessed before the multiple choice or after Houston Texans, then you are correct. Chris Conley is a Houston Texan, ladies and gentlemen. The guy who got about $40 million from the Jacksonville Jaguars for being Patrick Mahomes' number two option in a Chiefs offense that almost won the Super Bowl back in 2018. Chris Conley, Houston Texan, in the hellscape that is the Houston, Texas lo- Houston Texans locker room, now without Randall Cobb. So let's head on down to South Florida right now. And... You know, yesterday we talked a bit about the Texans and Monday we talked a bit about the Steelers. And there's a there's a caveat that leads us into a discussion around the Miami Dolphins. And that is that Xavier Howard has now requested a trade. And I'd like to start off this segment by going back to a post that I had made back in July. Uh, Let's get the exact date right here, actually. July. 14th, so literally two weeks ago to the day, when Xavier Howard had a uh, weird tweet, a cryptic tweet that got everyone excited that maybe he wants to leave the Dolphins. And I had said, just to clear today's news up, Xavier Howard might be the number one corner in the NFL, appears happy to play with Miami, but also is somehow 100% getting traded by next week. Well, now... There is a trade demand from Xavier Howard, maybe the best corner in the NFL. I'd pick Jalen Ramsey. Madden picked Jalen Ramsey by making Jalen Ramsey part of their 99 club. But Xavier Howard's one, two, or three. You can pick the order. He's one, two, or three. And Xavier Howard presently has a contract in Miami that is already it's not like he's a a rookie at this point. Xavier Howard is now 28 years old. He's on his second contract and that contract right now sets him up to be a free agent come 2025. But 
the Dolphins can get out from his contract by moving him this uh, coming off after 2021, and their dead cap hit is only 2.8 million. So they can basically get out of the contract fairly easily uh, at the end of next at the end of this season. And and to be honest, that might be what ends up happening, where they come to a similar type compromise where they move on after next season. But Xavier Howard right now is only a $13 million cap hit if he gets traded from the Dolphins. And, you know, maybe he's willing to make it ugly and push his way out of Miami. He made a gigantic Instagram post um, that I'm not sure if this was real or not. It was posted by Ghetto Gronk of the Dolphins saying, we're not going to read all that. Uh, or We don't have time to read all that. I don't know if it was fake or not, so I might have been fooled by the Internet. But the Dolphins can hold can let this one play out a little bit. But the Dolphins are a different situation than the Packers because the Dolphins right now are entering year three of a three-year rebuild. The argument could very easily be made that the Miami Dolphins are well ahead of schedule. And one of the ways that teams get well ahead of schedule in the NFL is by having a fleecing type of trade. And the Miami Dolphins had a fleecing type of trade. In fact, it is the great fleece trade of the last five years. The Miami Dolphins got essentially five first-round picks in exchange for Laramie Tunsil, which one of those was just the lucky fact that they got the number three pick in last year's draft and then used that number three pick to trade down with the 49ers to pick 12 and got three first round picks, which then they used to trade up to number six so that they could pick Jalen Waddle. But basically the Dolphins had five first round picks in exchange for Laramie Tunsil. They had the Texans 2020 first round pick, which they used to pick Austin Jackson. They had the Texans 2000, or I'm sorry, no, they traded down with the Texans pick and drafted Noah I can't pronounce his last name as a corner who's looking like a little bit of a bust. They picked Jalen Waddle with two of those five picks. They used a second round pick, I believe. I don't remember exactly who they used it on, but uh, that's an easy one to figure out. They got the Texans second round pick, which was pick like 34. So it's basically a late first round pick. It's a first round talent at second round prices was basically what they got. They got Javon Holland, the safety from Oregon at pick 35 or 36. And the Dolphins got the 49ers first round pick next year. So yes, they didn't turn Laramie Tunsil into a lot, but it's a way that teams get ahead is by getting top picks that can potentially be game-changing players that help push forward a rebuild. The Dolphins bottomed out in 2019. They were supposed to be the team that gets the number one pick and got Tua. They got the number five pick and got Tua. Tank for Tua ended up having a biblical finish, even though now it's clear that Tua was the wrong quarterback compared to Justin Herbert. And they retooled the team. The Dolphins retooled the team within two years, a team that they had intentionally tried to bottom out, but still won five games in their bottoming out attempt, got the number five pick in the draft, got to select Tua Tungavailoa, and the bottoming out worked out for the Miami Dolphins. And they got a bunch of draft picks that now you add Jalen Waddle to the mix, you add Will Fuller to the mix. Their defense last year forced a ton of turnovers, which we'll get to the defense at some point here, but... The Dolphins are, are ahead of schedule on a rebuild. This is supposed to be year three of a rebuild. They aren't supposed to be contending yet, and I don't think they will because the Patriots got significantly better, and Buffalo is still a more top-to-bottom better roster with a superstar quarterback, and the Dolphins' best player wants to leave the team. And as great as Xavier Howard is, Xavier Howard being the second-best corner in the league doesn't compare to Josh Allen being the one of the elite quarterbacks in the NFL, even though I think he's got some more, you know, I need a larger sample size. He's still like pretty much an elite quarterback in the NFL. So the Miami Dolphins find themselves in a weird place coming into this season. And the Xavier Howard trade makes things a little weird. But the Miami Dolphins last year were a massively pleasant surprise. They forced a ton of turnovers and a big part of that was their cornerbacks, similar to the Patriot model with Brian Flores. And everyone gave Brian Flores a lot of credit coming out of last season. I think he 
No, he Stefanski won coach of the year, but you could make the, I think Greer won executive of the year, um, which is the sign that you're, you know, stealing some people. But what's interesting about the Miami Dolphins defense is that defense is so sporadic year over year. And what is the, the truest sign of sporadic defenses? Forcing a lot of turnovers. Now, it's not a guarantee, but we know this is like a philosophy idea. Defense is sporadic in the NFL. And if one of the key points to a sporadic defense is turnovers. Turnovers do not replicate year over year. Now, this might be a weird cause and correlation thing, but at the same time, there is a distinct, there is turnover numbers fluctuate rapidly year to year. They're very random. Some teams get lucky in turnover numbers. We did a podcast with our buddy Blake Jude where we looked at, you know, projected interception numbers from quarterbacks and it's just totally random. It's just totally random who should or should not have had certain numbers of interceptions, but got lucky. Totally random. It took him picking all 32 quarterbacks just to get the bottom five in unluckiest or luckiest, unluckiest quarterbacks of last year. Took all 32 quarterbacks to get the top five. So turnovers are sporadic year over year, and the Miami Dolphins are a defense that I expect to regress year over year. The Miami Dolphins last year, according to football outsiders, ended up with, well, first of all, NFL defensive rankings are always difficult to figure out. And I, again, I need some help figuring some of those things out with defenses. Defenses are very difficult to figure out. But in terms of team DVOA, the Miami Dolphins finished with the 11th ranked defense in the NFL last year. And a lot of that came from turnovers. And you look up and down the Dolphins roster and it's really difficult to figure out what units end up being well for playing well. For example, I look at the Carolina Panthers roster and I say, how is that team not really good at defense names top to bottom on the roster? Some stars like Brian Burns and uh, Jeremy Chin. Maybe they'll be better next year, but last year they ranked 24th in team defense in the NFL. And they were a bad team last year, of course, and bad teams often have poorer defenses. That's generally how a lot of those things work. The Panthers had one of my favorite stats where when they allowed fewer than 22 points, they were 5-0. and And when they allowed more than 22 points, they were 0-11. But I don't know why they aren't better than, for example, the Buffalo Bills or the Denver Broncos. I can't explain it. It's very difficult to figure out defenses. And for Miami, it's even more difficult because they forced so many turnovers last year. And we know historically turnovers are very fluctuable year to year. And so in Team DVOA, the Dolphins are a really weird team. For example, Washington. Washington forced a lot of turnovers last year, and the addition of Chase Young as Defensive Player of the Year certainly made an impact, but Washington jumped from the 27th-ranked defense to the third-ranked defense in terms of team DVOA. Defense is really sporadic year over year, and it seems like the answer to the question is stars. Like, star players end up leading to better defenses. Well, I look at the Miami Dolphins, and, you know, Byron Jones is a really good corner. Xavier Howard is a really good corner, but then you look up and down the rest of the team and it's a lot of, you know, I mean, Van Noy's not on the team anymore, but it's a lot of Van Noy's is what it feels like. Um, Miami Dolphins, this year, I mean, again, also they made a couple of moves this offseason, but the Miami Dolphins come into this year defensively with names like Raekwon Davis, Bernardrick McKinney, Jerome Baker, Manuel Ogba, Manuel Agba is now playing linebacker. He was a defensive end. I'm kind of actually surprised. But, you know, secondary is pretty good. You got a McCourty in there. You got Noah. I can't pronounce his last name as a slot corner. And then a lot of young guys. Christian Wilkins could take a nice leap. Jalen Phillips is going to be the Willie linebacker. Van Ginkle forced some turnovers last year. Calvin Munson 
San Diego State, SDSU, Aztecs fight, but it's not a it's not a name. I'm listing names here, but they're not names that jump off the screen. Unless young guys like Wilkins and Jalen Phillips are going to become superstars, or magically Van Ginkle turns into a star corner, or I'm sorry, a star linebacker. The names come in the secondary, and Xavier Howard is already a difficult situation because, you know, I think he's going to ultimately be a Dolphin, but it's going to be tough for the Dolphins, I feel, to replicate success on defense. Now, again, I think their defensive ranking is going to have a lot to do with record. I think that defense, which is hard to figure out in the NFL, and it takes like Football Outsiders DVOA rankings to help do that analysis, the Dolphins' record is going to indicate whether or not they're a strong defensive team. Because offensively, we kind of know where the Dolphins stand. And they were, you know, they were an okay offensive team last year, and they had success despite the fact that, you know, Ahmed was their running back at the end of the season, and they were throwing to fourth string wide receivers because Preston Williams was hurt and Devontae Parker was hurt. And all of their wide receivers were out. Jakeem Grant was out late in the season. So now they've got a deeper team for sure. They've got like six really good wide receivers and they still have a Gusecki at tight end. Stunned they didn't make an upgrade at the tight end position. But you know what? Every team needs a Gusecki. And so we kind of know what they're going to be on offense. Probably around the middle of the pack. We don't expect massive leaps from Tua Tungavailoa. But also I recognize that it's hard to evaluate him with such a small sample size right now. And the fact that Ahmed and, you know, Ahmed and Albert Wilson and Mac Hollins were his wide receivers at the end of last season. Like it's, it's very difficult to evaluate Tua under those circumstances. And again, Tua Tungavailoa gets a bad rap a lot. At least he did towards the end of last year because they switched Fitzpatrick into the offense and against the Raiders Fitzmagic had more yards in two drives than Tua had in the entire game and carried them into a week 17 winner go home game against the Buffalo Bills where Tua just got absolutely smacked out of the building so I get that part of it too but what's interesting for Tua and the Dolphins offense is that the Dolphins come into this year with a pretty predictable offense you know, Devontae Parker's still the number one as, you know, as a much upside as they hope for Jalen Waddle. Devontae Parker's still a number one who like Alan Hearn or um, not Alan Hearns, um, DJ Chark, different Jaguars wide receiver. Um, Alan Hearns, I don't think has been on the Jaguars for like four years now. But anyways, Alan Hearns is actually a dolphin. Um, that might be where I made the mistake there. I'm very tired. But anyways. Devontae Parker's a number one who should be a number two. And while they have upside for Jalen Waddle, I don't think the immediate impact of Jalen Waddle is going to make him an automatic number one receiver like Amari Cooper was. I could be wrong. And maybe that changes the offense. And maybe that's the point where we look up and say, okay, this is how the Miami Dolphins had a top 10 offense last year and how Tua took massive leaps forward. It's because Jalen Waddle is Amari Cooper and he's immediately a top 20 receiver in the NFL which Devontae Parker's kind of teetering on that edge of the top 30, where Devontae Parker is probably a top 25 wide receiver, but he's better when he's your number two than he is when he's your number one. When he's your number one, you have a weak receiving core. When he's your number two, you've got a stronger receiving core than most teams. It's the same thing as DJ Chark. Your franchise is better off once you stop pretending like they're a number one receiver. Which again, no disrespect to Devontae Parker or DJ Chark, very good receivers. It's just if they're your number one receiver, you've got a pretty crappy receiving core. So, you know, that's kind of predictable. Same running backs as last year. Miles Gaskin, Malcolm Brown, same offensive line, Austin Jackson and Robert Hunt. They did bring in Leon Eichenberg through the draft and DJ Fluker, but those aren't major impact pieces, at least not immediately. So it's a fairly similar offense to last year. They'll be around the middle of the pack. It's why I don't think the Dolphins will get to the playoffs and why they're going to have to do some soul searching because a lot of these draft picks that they're really banking on to become stars look like middle-of-the-pack defenders. 
and some of them offensively. You know, you're looking for superstars, but Tua doesn't look like a superstar right now. Maybe Jalen Waddle does, but a wide receiver only carries so much value. You know, they, they haven't hit on a lot of their draft picks. They haven't been able to get that mass accumulation of depth that, you know, helped the 49ers make the Super Bowl in 2019 because their entire defensive line was on rookie contracts. DeForest Buckner, Rick Armstead, Nick Bosa, all of them were on rookie contracts and making Pro Bowls. Dolphins don't necessarily have that. They've got enough talent to be perfectly mediocre. Because yes, they were, you know, 10 and 6 last year. But if I put that Dolphins team and the Raiders team next to each other and said, what's the difference? There's virtually no difference. Virtually no difference between the Miami Dolphins and the Raiders, as we saw at the end of the season in that magical Saturday night game where Fitzmagic was getting face masked and fired a crazy pass for a completion, his last completion for all intents and purposes as a Miami Dolphin. The Raiders finished 7-9 and nine and the Dolphins finished 10-6, and six, but they were basically the same team, so that just comes down to some weird results, like Tua going into Miami. I'm sorry, Tua going into Arizona and winning, or playing the Rams in Miami and forcing four turnovers. It's just weird results like that that turn the tides. But the Dolphins were really like a 500 team. You could argue mediocre. But there's about 12 teams that kind of hang around in that status, and some of them make the playoffs and some of them don't. The Dolphins probably shouldn't have been one of the teams to make the playoffs, and they didn't make the playoffs, which is only to their detriment because they would have enjoyed, even if they get the brakes beat off them, they would have enjoyed the practice of at least getting a playoff game with the core of their team. So Miami comes into this year with not anything that jumps off the page is like, this is a massive star-turning improvement for the Dolphins, while the Patriots, you look up and say, wow, the Patriots did a lot to improve that roster with potentially some star players. Or at least we trust Bill Belichick to make them look more like star players. And the Xavier Howard situation throws a wrench in everything, even though I believe he's going to end up playing for the Dolphins and then next year end up getting a renegotiated contract or something like that. The Dolphins are in a weird place where I don't think they've made the necessary improvements to jump forward and stay ahead of the curve on their rebuild. They were already ahead by the mass accumulation of draft picks that then turned into enough talent to make them perfectly mediocre, combined with, in 2020, one of the largest free agent spending sprees in NFL history that helped them met Byron Jones as a legitimate star corner and Van Noy having a great season, even though he's gone now, and Shaq Lawson, which they used to trade for Bernardrick McKinney, and giving Devontae Parker an extension, and bringing in Jakeem Grant. They got just enough talent to be perfectly mediocre, and they did that last year. They got to 10-6, and six, but a lot of that came from lucky turnovers, or weird games where they forced a lot of turnovers that we don't think are replicable year over year. Could be, but odds are not great. Historical precedent says repeating turnovers over repeating high turnover numbers year over year is very difficult unless you have a Jalen Ramsey or a Xavier Howard. But even with Xavier Howard, you can just throw it the other way. But wait a minute, there's Byron Jones. Well, Byron Jones isn't much of an interceptor, but also people keep it away from Byron Jones a lot. But Maybe I mean, a lot of the turnovers last year were Van Ginkle having pick sixes for the Dolphins. So I don't think they'll be number one in turnover margin and still ha- not be like a legitimately great team or at least competing to win the division and having great offensive numbers because Jalen Waddell is special. But I don't think the Dolphins are going to stay ahead of the curve because they haven't done anything that just wows me. And maybe Christian Wilkins turns into a star in his third year. And maybe Jalen Phillips comes in and wins Defensive Rookie of the Year or is top three in Defensive Rookie of the Year. And that's the young core that they've been banking on with the ton of draft picks that they'd been stashing and storing from trading Minka Fitzpatrick and trading Laramie Tunsil during that magical teardown in training camp of 2019. But I just don't see it. And I fully acknowledge that these young players like Jalen Waddell, Jalen Phillips, Christian Wilkins... They are the keys for improvement for the Miami Dolphins, 
and and Tua Tungavailoa chief among them, of course, if Tua makes a massive leap and puts himself in that top category of quarterbacks, then of course that changes all the math for the Miami Dolphins. I don't personally see it, but I fully acknowledge they won't lose more than like barring injuries, they won't or something catastrophically going wrong with Tua's development, they won't lose more than nine games next year, eight, nine games, which would, I know on paper, not be an improvement, but it would kind of be in the middle. Cause I know the record says they were a 10 and 16 last year, but they weren't a 10 and 16 on paper. They were just a 10 and 16 by record alone. They were more of an eight and eight team by talent. I don't think, I think that's the floor. I think with the development and the young players that have come in, I think that's the floor for the dolphins is eight and eight. But something could go catastrophically wrong. And then the Dolphins will have to look around and say, where are we as a franchise? As they might be doing right now with the whole Xavier and Howard situation. All right. So to wrap up today's show, I would like to bring in our friend Daily Sports Dosage here on the podcast and talk a little bit more about this Aaron Rodgers situation. Now recall that the podcast was recorded Monday morning, so some of this information might be a little bit outdated, but the concept of what we talked about, I really wanted to bring here to the podcast. And again, make sure to check out the DSD pod as well. New episode's going to drop on Thursday for the NBA draft, which I think we'll probably talk about on Thursday's episode tomorrow, along with hopefully some MLB trades that are beyond Tyler Anderson going to the Phillies, but then not going to the Phillies and then going to the Mariners all within about five hours. Isn't baseball's trading deadline great? Anyways, let us bring in our friend daily sports dosage. So, Next up, we have Aaron Rodgers drama. Yes, Aaron Rodgers is finally start. Well, first, the Packers tried to make things ugly by leaking to Adam Schefter that he wanted a contract or they offered a contract extension and he declined. And so Aaron Rodgers camp leaked. uh, I forgot what. Well, so first of all, they did the cryptic post thing. And then you have, you know, um, what's her name? Woodley. I forgot his fiance's name, Um, but she liked. Aaron Rodgers' fiance. Um, oh, 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 yeah, Twa- like Twain. That's like it. Uh, it's I'll, I'll look it up something I'll, Woodley. I'll look it up right now. Um, but anyways, right now. Um, she liked something on Instagram, and her mom liked something on Instagram that you know signified that, that Aaron Rodgers just feels disrespected, and Aaron Rodgers Shay- is not Shailene Woolley. Yeah, Shailene yeah. Woolley. Yes, exactly. Um, again, she's a. I think she was a teen actor and now an actress. But again, I'm not into celebrity whatever. But anyway, so Rogers Camp is not ready to make things totally ugly yet, but they're they're willing to fight back on the Packers right now. And you know, sports books have taken the the betting odds for the Packers totally off the board because they're yeah, afraid that. that Aaron Rodgers might retire within the next week. No, um, I actually saw someone saying that they, there's bets out there saying that they he is retiring. I, I don't know if that maybe I read that wrong. So we should also clarify right off the bat, and I did this on Take It Easy too. When we say retire, we mean one year retirement, like because next year there's an easy way for the Packers and Aaron Rodgers to divorce. The reason the Packers are resistant right now is one, it's Aaron Rodgers, and two, it would be a thirty-seven million dollar cap hit if he's off the team this off season, but it's seventeen million if they move off of him by March twelfth of next year. So. There's this they could save twenty million dollars in moving Aaron Rodgers after next year if they want to go forward with Jordan Love and you know Brian Gutenkunst is still employed at that point. That would be something. That would be something, huh? So yeah, that would be. But Rodgers doesn't even want to get there at this point. He's and the reason I don't think he's going to retire, and I trust sports books more just because they have an incentive to get the information right. But also sometimes and they just right. move on public pressure sometimes. Like if too many that, people are betting that he's going to retire, they're going to move their lines. So it's difficult. Like I trust it more than just someone, you know, some rando saying Aaron Rodgers is going to retire. Randos like us saying yeah, Aaron yeah. Rodgers is going to retire 
next week, but I don't think he's ready to fold yet. I didn't think he was ready to fold a couple weeks ago. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is ready to give up yet. I think he's going to let yeah. this keep riding out. Yep, I totally agree. And yeah, I, Aaron Rodgers is in this weird place of he doesn't like Tom Brady said, he, he is unhappy with his boss and has no options. Um, so he's not ready to go full ugliness and burn his bridge between this and Wisconsin. But he's he's willing to play the leak game with the Packers and and sit at a standoff right now as training camps begin, which brings us to another topic yeah. here, which yeah. is I'm really excited about this one. This Deshaun is, this is, Watson. This is, yeah. Mind blowing to me that he's even. He's yeah, Desha- up. I crazy. literally I said off air like when I saw the news that he's going to show up to camp on Thursday, I, literally my jaw dropped. I'd like, wait. So he has literally had to read it twice. I yeah, had to read it twice. He, I'm like, is this right? He hasn't settled out of court. He still has the ongoing lawsuit and still wants to be traded from the Texans. And he's going to show up to camp like I I couldn't believe it. Now, they say it's you know, he still wants a trade and it's to prevent the fifty thousand dollar fines for missing camp, which, again, the Texans can waive those fines. The Texans don't have to enforce the fines. They can waive it. If they want him to just go away and not be there, I'm stunned that this is actually being allowed to happen. I'm stunned that Deshaun Watson is going to be at camp on Thursday for the Texans. Yeah, I agree. I think it's such a, I think it's just such a weird situation, man. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I really don't know how I feel about this whole thing. Like, he's like, you know, outside of like his legal allegation, because we're not going to get into that, but it's more about just the fact that like, I, I don't even know what he's doing. I feel like he's just ruining everything for it. Like he he made it ugly. Now he's not making it. I don't know. It's so weird. It's just it's just really weird right now. So no matter what, I don't think. I mean, as long as he's not going to go full like corporate and be like, okay, I'm good now, and I'm going to ride behind this terrible front office with a team pastor that may or may not have staged a coup of the organization. But if he still wants to go, he's going to get out. Like he's never going to play again with the Texans, even if he reports to camp here. And continues to go through the training drills. I don't even know what report means. Like, I don't know if he's actually going to be taking snaps or not. But the NFL is going to put him on the exempt list. Like, the with the ongoing oh, legal yeah. situation, they Definitely. cannot let Deshaun Watson play until he settles out of court. Which, again, morally it's difficult because we don't know what to do with settlements like that. Because, again, like... Money can represent closure. It's not necessarily the amount of money. It's what the money represents. But we don't know. Morally, it's difficult to put a price tag on someone's victimization. So we, again, it's difficult to deal with the legal side of it. But still, I'm stunned that A, he hasn't settled out of court yet because there's no way he's going to not be found guilty on at least six of those accounts. And have to pay out. I don't know what they're paying at, what they're asking for in the civil suit. But I'm stunned he hasn't settled out of court yet, and I'm stunned that he's showing up to camp. Like I, it's shocking to me that this is what's going on with Deshaun Watson because showing up to camp potentially loses your leverage. Not that the Texans don't want to trade him. Like they desperately yeah. want to trade him at this point. They want all of this to be over. Definitely. Yeah, I don't get it. It's yeah, again. it's it, it's it's so weird to me too. I I feel the exact same way. I I really feel like, you know, at this point, like, it's just weird. Like I don't I don't know. I don't well, know. I also, I almost don't even have an opinion on it to be honest. Well, did you notice that the Texans leaked that they leaked like they're asking for at least three first round picks for Deshaun Watts? I assume the Texans leaked it. Like yeah, there's... I, I saw that too. I was so surprised. I'm like, I thought we weren't going to do this until the legal stuff blew over. Are we? Ju- do we just not care anymore? Like, I just like, honest, did we get to bored be honest? Yeah, to be honest, I think that the the Texans are clearly an extremely incompetent organization because they actually thought I thought they were winning this battle at this point. I was like, yeah, they were definitely winning. Like the you know, like you know, whatever you know, gesturing game. Now they just blew their hand. Because it's like, wait, so now that you put out a price when there's a guy legitimately, like, I'm not saying going to jail because I don't really know how this would work. But yeah, he's, right now it's just civil suit and he's being investigated for two potential criminal but cases. he's not but playing. He's not playing. He's no. he's going to be, he's like. Even if it's, it's a, a civil suit, the NFL is yeah. not going to put him on the field because it's a terrible PR move until they yeah, settle it, out of court. Yes, exactly. So, like, I don't even know what they're doing. I don't even have an opinion on it because it just doesn't make sense to me. It really doesn't. 
Yeah, it, it's so strange because I'm stunned that he hadn't settled it. He's got so much money writing. And that's the thing with the exempt list is he still gets paid if he gets put on the exempt list versus holding out and not getting paid, which when he's got $40 million riding on it and no income from endorsements, I guess it makes yeah. some sense. But still, I was surprised that... Deshaun Watson. I mean, maybe this is just like he's not going to play. He's just going to, you know, show up to camp, not get fined and then go on the exempt list. But yeah. I mean, the Texans, I the Texans, the good news for them as an organization, they've already hit rock bottom. Like it does not get any lower than it was around draft time <laughs> last year. Like yeah. once you've hit rock bottom, you can only go up from there. And yeah. so this situation isn't terrible for the Texans, but they they wanted Deshaun Watson gone months ago. They wanted this to be over because Watson, unlike Aaron Rodgers, was willing to burn bridges and make it ugly. But well, yeah, once but all the legal I, stuff I also came think down, that, then it yeah, changed altogether. Yeah, I also think that the whole thing with Deshaun Watson is very different from Aaron Rodgers because Aaron Rodgers is like coveted as like, a, oh, I we got breaking news. We do. Yeah, I just I just got it on my phone as we're talking about Aaron Rodgers. Oh my goodness, what is it? All right. Ian Rappaport says Aaron Rodgers plans to play for Green Bay this season. What? And it says it says Aaron Rodgers has indicated to people close to him saying that he does not he does plan to play for um, Green Bay this season. So to say that as the expectation, many factors in play, but with Brian Gutton, whatever, says he's hopeful for a positive outcome and there is a, a glimmer of optimism at this point. So is that what the last dance thing was? Is that they are all gonna yeah. ride it out this year? Yeah, that's I mean, exactly what it was, and and, and I, that's what I saw too. That's what I noticed. I was like, "Yep, that's what that that's what's gonna happen. They're gonna it's gonna be the like the kind of quote unquote last dance. This is the last year they're gonna do it, and they're done. I mean, that, I I can't imagine that. That's why the whole. Th- I mean, I can't imagine that's not why uh, the uh, Devonte Adams stuff kind of halted. You know what I mean? Well, it makes a lot Devontae more sense. Adam- that one, the Devontae Adams one is weird because Devontae Adams, we know what Devontae Adams is worth. If Michael Thomas is worth $21 million and DeAndre Hopkins is 22 and a half, then De- De- Devontae Adams is going to get $23.5 million a year. Like, we know he's exactly best, what he's worth. He's the best worth. receiver in football, in my opinion. Or even I if he's play. not, he's going to be the highest paid receiver in football. He's going to make more than Amari Cooper. Like, all right, it, all right let's put this an example that uh, he's the he's the only number. I know Madden is the matter, but this is just a uh, just a proof that he's not, he's ninety nine overall, and he's the only receiver that's ninety nine. Yeah, he's going to be the highest paid receiver. We know exactly what he's going to make. So either. The Packers are lowballing him in an effort to make it look like, you know, they tried and he wouldn't accept. So now they're going to go into a franchise tag or Devontae Adams is asking for like 33 million a year or like he's asking for way more than the Packers are willing to pay just to say, hey, you know, we came in with an offer and they said no. So I guess we're going to go our separate yeah. ways. Like someone is either lowballing or asking for like a ridiculous I would bet that it's money. the Packers. The Packers are lowballing him. I, I just can't imagine because. But, like, that or, would mean, but that would mean the Packers wouldn't want him because everyone knows. Yeah. Like they know Devontae Adams knows. Everyone knows exactly what Devontae Adams is going to get. It's going to be a five year contract for about a hundred twenty five million or something like that. One hundred twenty million. And. So, like, but if you're the Packers, I get you can just franchise tag him. But why? Why would you do that? <laughs> like, you want Devonte Adams to stay, right? Yeah. Like, well, I well, the only problem is, yeah, no. With that, with that, everything you said, I totally agree with you. But like, why would Devonte Adams want to stay if Aaron Rodgers is not going to be there? Unless he really believes in Jordan Love. Well, that's why I'm thinking that he might be asking for like 30 million a year, which yeah. the pa- which he knows the Packers won't pay. It's just so they can say, "Hey, we did negotiations, they broke down. Here we are. Now he's going to get franchise tagged by the Packers and hold out of camp basically." Like yeah. it's it's like no amount of money wants me to stay with this this situation basically is what yeah. th- that's why I think Devontae Adams is asking for a ton to get his way out of Green Bay. I don't think the Packers um, are lowballing him because that's just it's idiotic to lowball Devonte Adams. I, I agree, and, and and this is what I was gonna say before the breaking news came out. I think that um, the Aaron Rodgers situation and the Devonte Adams situation are obviously very different. I mean, obviously uh, Deshaun, situ- his situ- Deshaun Watson, right? Oh, you sorry, said, yeah, Desha- yeah, you said Devonte Adams, yeah. Oh, sorry, yeah, Deshaun Watson and uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers are very different. But I think the key difference is that outside of like the legal suit. 
I think that Devont, I'm sorry, Desha- oh, Devontae Adams is on my mind now. So uh, Deshaun Watson isn't as coveted as Aaron Rodgers is in Wisconsin because he didn't yeah. have as much of a tie there. Like Aaron Rodgers is literally their god. I mean, like literally, like a Brady esque in in the Patriots. Like I don't, I can't imagine. Uh, Aaron Rodgers wants to ruin that. Like he's literally God there. Can you imagine if he just like makes it nasty and then people don't like him anymore? Like I don't think that's what he wants. Well, I know that's not what he wants because he hasn't done it yet. He could have easily yeah. done it across the last four months. He could have easily burned that. It took took Deshaun Watson like three weeks to burn the bridge in Houston. Like he could have burned that bridge months ago and before the draft, which would have got him out of there. But he he wasn't that desperate to leave Green Bay, which is why I thought he was going to sit out of camp as like just to make things uncomfortable for the Packers. But I mean, it looks like he's going to report. He's going to fold. Basically, Aaron Rodgers is going to fold and push it down the road to next year. So, yeah, I'm just I'm just disappointed. I'm disappointed in Aaron Rodgers that he's going to fold this this soon that he's going to fold right before training camp. I thought he would at least like push it weeks into training camp. Yeah, but I, I, I bet, dude, that that, that uh, last dance thing makes so much more sense now. Like, I really think that they were already, they, they both had a conversation. Like, this is a both our last year. Like, let's Three just of stick them, it up for one more Because <laughs> after those two, Robert Tanyan posted a photo of Dennis Rodman on his story. So all three of them now, I guess, are all free agents at the end of the season, theoretically. I mean, the Packers will trade Rodgers, but... All I can tell you this too. There. I can tell you this too. This actually makes me laugh out loud. That uh, I kind of feel bad for um, Milwaukee fans because they just, you know, they obviously the box won, so they're super happy. Then they just get this prima donna situation, and uh, you know, <laughs> but, but as someone who knows people in Wisconsin, let me tell you, Milwaukee and Green Bay, they are not the same. Like they oh, are okay. not quite the same. Green Bay is about two hours away, but they're in Wisconsin, but. You know that Milwaukee people in Milwaukee say, you know, we like the Packers, but some people also like the Bears like Milwaukee and Green Bay. They're they're two different things. Green Bay is kind of kind of in the middle of nowhere out of uh, out where Lambeau Field is. So they're they're not quite the same people. People in Green Bay, the demographics of Green Bay and Wisconsin are are definitely different. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.